Hey everybody, this is Dave Hodges, back with you here on the Common Sense Show. Glad you stayed with us. Really glad to have you. Remember, we are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time, and we're going to do some freeing in this hour because we are joined by Chris Kitsy. He's the former owner of the Forts News. He's off on a lot of different ventures. We'll talk to him a little bit about those ventures. But uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight is alien technology. We're going to talk about things like denial of service. We're going to probably be all over the map, and it's really, really, they're, they're fascinating topics. But before we get started, I have to let you know that we do have sponsors that make this show available to you. One of them is preparewithdave.com, the best storable food in the world. 70% off sale right now. you got to go now. This is the month. But also, more importantly, 25-year shelf life, restaurant quality, great testing. I love how this stuff tastes. It's terrific. It's safe. And with this topsy-turvy world we're in where it doesn't take much to interrupt the just-in-time deliveries, this is really the way to go. Just just go to the website and you'll see all the details there. Preparewithdave.com. Secondly, we are brought to you by uh, a company that I just absolutely love because the owner is Bob Griswold. He's become a close personal friend of mine. You hear him a lot on our show because he's an expert on survival because of his intelligence background. And he owns a company called Ready-Made Resources. I call him King Prepper. Everything you need from night vision to communication to water filtration, he has it. All you got to do, all you have to do right now is go to his website, readymaderesources.com. They got an on-screen number for you to call. And here's the good thing that Bob does for everybody. He absolutely takes his time with you. He'll consult with you for free. Most of these preppers are charging for their consultations. Bob does not. He wants you to get what you need, and he's going to make sure you know how to use what it is you're getting. Readymaderesources.com. Well, on to the show. I'm so looking forward to this interview. I've known Chris for a number of years. He's a fascinating guy. We're both ex-Colorado boys, so we have that in common, living along the Front Range, he in Boulder and me in the suburbs of Denver. And uh, we are really glad to be with you. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. And I can't tell you how much I've looked forward to getting into these topics with you tonight. Great to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's always our pleasure to have you on. And we've done some stellar shows in the past, and this is going to be one of them. One of the things that you and I have talked about off-air before is the increasing presence of what you believe to be alien technology that has kind of infiltrated and morphed into our AI systems, our technology systems. Let's use this as a starting point. Let's bring the audience up to speed with what you're talking about. Sure. Let's start with... um you know, let's just start with talking about AI because that's the that's the thing that most people, um, you know, when they hear about uh, you know artificial intelligence, they think, "Wow, what is this thing? Is it human? Is it something else?" And um, you know, the interesting thing about this, there was a paper from MIT in the um, you know the MIT Journal that talked about AI and the fact that the scientists who create it cannot even understand how it works. So it basically gets a mind of its own, and what ends up happening is um, it goes and does things very, very quickly. It's you know the equivalent of like an IQ of 1,000. So you think about if you have someone who has an IQ of 70, and then you have someone who has an IQ of, um, if you have someone who has an IQ of, uh, you know, 120 or something like that, the person who's got the higher IQ is going to clean the clock of the person with the lower IQ in, you know, things that require, you know, what most people consider to be intelligence. 
right? Now, I'm not saying the person is any better that's a 120 IQ than someone who's 60 or 70 or whatever. That doesn't even matter as far as the person's moral character. But what you see is you see the people who, you know, why is it that most people on Wall Street are very, you know, smart people, right? And you look at who's recruited to be a spy, right? And that is, uh, these are the people on, uh, you know, who go to the Ivy League schools, which are basically an IQ filter. So, IQ is highly valued by the powers that be. And, you know, there's a reason for it. One is because they are able to make decisions very quickly. They can uh, synthesize ideas and so forth and so on. But the problem with AI, which has the potential to be an IQ of about 1,000, is that it is unpredictable and you have no idea why, and the scientists can't even tell you why it made a decision that it made even after the fact. So they can look at all the inputs, they can look at everything, and they still do not know why it made the decision. So it's really something that's kind of a whole foreign kind of concept. You start looking at all the things like um, uh, the, um, uh, the math, for example, you know, so this is things like calculus, uh, cryptography, which uses um, number spaces, modular math, point math, all these kind of things are used for, um, for basically obfuscating things. And, you know, my understanding of where these things came from is, you know, these are not things that normal human beings would think about. They would normally think about things like geometry, where you have, you know, a shape or a size or something like that. And it turns out that geometry was brought to people by gods. And the reason was so they could build buildings for temples and things to, you know, to um, basically to honor and worship to, to their god. And the other things that were done by Sir Isaac Newton he was an occultist. A lot of people don't know this, but he was an occultist. And a lot of these things, what occultists do is they go into other dimensions and they talk to, you know, people we would consider to be beings that we would consider to be demons, and they are given information. Now, righteous gods do not give humans information that they can use to make money, become famous, all these kind of things. But demons do that. So if you think about it from that point of view, you know, there's a religious basis in this as well. And, you know, there are paintings from Leonardo da Vinci. There are a lot of paintings from the Middle Ages and Renaissance period where there actually are UFOs painted in the sky. One, one picture I saw was a painting of a UFO above a building looking through the window at the person who's inside, basically spying on the person inside. And, you know, she didn't know it. She's just sitting there, you know, holding her baby. And, uh, but they're, but they're being watched. And so I think that's what's, that's what's happened here on our planet is that, you know, the aliens have always been here. In fact, I think they may have been here before humans were here. But what ends up happening is, um, you know, they're interested in what we're doing and they want to see and follow our culture. They generally leave it alone, but it's, um, you know, the technology, if you think about it, has influenced everything. So in the last 200 years, you know, what technology have we developed and where did it come from? You've got things like the car, airplanes, telephone, telecommunications. I mean, the obvious things are like lasers and things like this. 
which are, you know, people will tell you are things that have been found in crashed uh, spaceships. Right. So um, that's where I think, um, you know, a lot of it has come from. A lot of it's come from these, uh, the aliens, the Nazis got it, and then the U.S. got it after World War II. And, um, you know, not all of it's good. I mean, people look at it like it's a benefit, but, you know, GMOs I do not think are good for people. 5G radiation is definitely not good for people. Well, I I could not agree with you more on that. You know, your views on alien technology and the integration of it and the source of it, very close to what Steve Quayle is saying, very close. It's interesting how you've arrived at this, and he also refers to them as demonic entities, and you're, you're talking about channeling this outside normal realms, and true moral gods wouldn't do what they're doing. I could not agree with you more on this. Uh, so you think that these aliens have actually been here longer than mankind? I think it's possible. I mean, if you think about, you know, how long have, have actual human beings been here? I mean, there are people who will say, well, it's because uh, there was DNA modification by the aliens, and that's why the humans are the way they are. I don't know about that. Maybe it's true or maybe not. But I think the... Um, you know, the planet's been here a lot longer than people think, and uh, there's been life here in a lot of different civilizations. You know, it seems like about every 12,000 years, there's a, there's like a major disruption. And, um, you know, there are a number of people, a very interesting website I've run across that I want to share with your listeners, Diehold Foundation, D-I-E-H-O-L-D Foundation. And this is... Uh, uh, a person, a professor, uh, or a PhD named uh, Doug Vogt, V-O-G-T. And he has uh, done a lot of research on what he calls the rotational effects of the rotating mechanism for Earth and the fact that there's a periodic nova that comes off the sun. And he, he believes that it can be timed down into a 12,068-year cycle. So when is the next one due? And he believes it's October the 16th, 2046. So it's very interesting. And that's Diehold Foundation. You can find a whole YouTube channel. Those are great YouTube videos to watch. Um, he started looking at this when he started seeing the things with NASA. Why did NASA go to the moon? What were they looking for? Apollo, it's a sun god. They were looking for this evidence that they'd found on Earth, and they wanted to see if it was just from Earth and volcanic, or if it came from somewhere else. And if they found it on the moon, then it's obviously from not from the Earth. And then they went to Mars, and they found it on Mars, too. So um, very, very interesting things. And you now this is something that then became, you know, obviously classified. CIA took it and said, we don't want to uh, have this. Although people are saying... Uh, there's soft disclosure. Uh, that's why he was able to release it. He released a lot of this stuff in December of last year. But um, I recommend, you know, just go with an open mind and check it out. But these are the things that, you know, why are people so interested in the earth right now? And this is one reason. And the other reason is, of course, there's just a major cosmic change that's happening right now. Uh, people who follow the different cycles of the, uh, the Earth moving through the galaxy. It's, I think, what, a 26,000-year cycle. And uh, I may be wrong on that, but it's something like that very long period of time. And we're back up to where we were before. And what happens is, is then the stars start to uh, look differently. So, you know, just like the pyramids line up with the belt of Orion, 
um, you know, you're going to start to see a lot of these things realign. And um, in particular, there's, you know, this concept of the solar nova, but also, you know, people are looking at things like Nibiru, the ninth planet, because we only have nine planets. We have nine planets, but there's only eight that we have right now. Pluto is not really a planet. It's a moon from another planet. And if you look at the orbit of Pluto, it doesn't match with what an orbit of a planet should be. So, you know, where's the ninth planet? Well, the ninth planet is coming in at a 30-degree incline to the elliptic. It's coming from, incoming from the southern hemisphere. And that's why you see all of these observatories being built in Antarctica, in the South America, places like this. Um, you know, and I've been told, look for a 3,200-year uh, iron oxide layer. And that's because what, what, what one is of the that, planets, Chris? What is an iron oxide layer? I've never heard of that. Well, iron oxide is rust, of course, right? That's the, that's the chemical name for rust. And apparently one of the planets in this system, it's a, it's a um, red dwarf, and it's been written about, the Sumerians wrote about it. Um, you know, it comes through periodically, I think every 3,200 years. The last time it came through, uh, Santorini in Greece blew up uh, and actually put the entire uh, northern hemisphere into a, uh, you know, basically into a winter. And the people in Greece, if you go to Santorini, they, you, you look at this, it's, it's beautiful today, but the entire volcano blew up. It destroyed the Minoan civilization. And you see this huge crater that's now filled with seawater. And, you know, how do they know what year it was? Well, Chinese kept very, very good records back then. And they reported at that time, and it was about right around 3,200 years ago, there was a, uh, you know, very, very, a lot of uh, dust and, um, you know, the sun couldn't get through. So the crops failed for two years. And this is why, you know, when you, when you talk on your show and you pitch, you know, get some, get some freeze-dried food, that is a very good idea to have around. Very good idea. Because, yeah, you know, this is the kind of thing, the year without a summer, right? And what happens when the crops fail? Well, that's when you need the food preps that you've got, you know, set aside. Well, there is going to be a failure. I mean, we're seeing farm failures now. We're seeing climate wars impinge on the growing season. We're seeing uh, the growing season starting later. We're seeing corporate farms basically owned by the elite forcing small farmers out because of the debt ratio. Uh, this is going to be, let's put it this way, food is being used as a weapon against the population, and it's starting now. Well, what you're talking about is one form of what I call the denial of service. How do you deny people service? Well, one thing you can do is you can turn off their bank account, which is happening. You know, we had that problem with before it's news. We had, um, we've I've personally lost bank accounts at Bank of America, um, you know, that I've had for 24 years. Um, you know, people are basically under attack, okay? Now, the other thing that when you keep in mind, you know, how does denial service look on the internet? Well, it's Twitter turning off your account. You can't go and post or they're shadow banning your account. So denial of service can take all of these different forms. And, you know, and it can be something as simple as, well, you can't, you, um, you know, you can't do this or it's a form of social credit really is what's happening. And we have it here in the U.S. 
just like in China. China, you can't get on a plane. If you're a Falun Gong practitioner, they ban you from getting on planes, trains, whatever. If you're, uh, if you didn't pay or if you jaywalked, they, uh, you know, they ding you for that. Or maybe you sat in the wrong seat on the train and got caught. You know, they're going to, uh, they're going to keep you from getting on a train, a plane or, you know, whatever. And there've been, you know, journalists, um, people who do, um, you know, Christians, Uyghurs, Falun Gong, um, all different groups of people, any kind of political opponent, they use it to absolutely just crush people. And that's what they're doing. They're just trying to cut people off. They'll just go and take the money out of your bank account and so on. That's China. Now, it's not that bad here yet, but you can see how it's starting, right? When you have Twitter, when you have Google, when you have Facebook, all these big media things track everything. And what they start doing is they start putting together a threat matrix on every person. And if they don't like something, that person is going to be punished. And that's how it's done. So it's really kind of frightening when you think about it. But um, you'll start to see denial of service take a lot of other forms here in the next year or so, is my prediction. And I think... um, when you look at you know things like if you have an alternative media website, there was an outage today with uh, YouTube. I don't know if you saw that. Um, the embedded videos. It, it actually, apparently it was on, it was you know internet wide, but things like the DNS that stopped working. Um, that was a few days ago, or like a, I guess a few weeks ago actually. And um, you know these are the kind of things where they're just going to start slowly turning it off. You're not going to have access to certain things, and you're just going to think the internet had a bad day. But then it just doesn't come back, and then you're you know you are not able to get it, and somebody else can. Well, when they say shadow banning, can you give your best explanation about what that means? Sure, it means you posted something and you can see it, but nobody else can see it. So you're basically talking to yourself. That's shadow banning. Can so be, can you have you, part? You think that it, I was going to ask go you, ahead. can you have partial shadow banning? Sure, they can decide, you know, we're going to cut down. It's like uh, only 4% of the people can see it. I mean, they could say, instead of 100% of your list seeing something, they're going to say, well, we're not going to let 100% of your list see it. We're going to let 4% see it or 1% or... We're going to let these people see it, but these people can't see it. Sure, this is all technically possible. So they they work right off your list. So let's say you have 100,000 subscribers and you put something out. You're saying that for some people, there are only, only 4,000 of those 100,000 get to even know it's there? In some cases, depending on how hot the thing is that you're putting out, you might be zero. You might be the only one who gets to see it. I think I had that on YouTube recently. I had a deal where I I, I woke up one morning, it was my 6 a.m. posting, and I had loaded the night before, and I already had 80 comments and somewhere around 180 likes and maybe 10 dislikes, and I had zero views recorded. How is that possible? Uh, It's not possible. Either there's an error with with whatever's recording the views, or there is a, um, you know, there's just an outright, you know, shadow ban. Did the numbers ever recover, or it was still always like very low? It came back, but the numbers stayed down, and the comments for a while outnumbered the number of views, and I didn't see how that was possible. <laughs> well, there you go. 
that's what's happening. And they do that. They suppress the views. They've been, they've been busted. Uh, to give you an example, Twitter has been busted, artificially pumping the numbers for people like uh, Alexandra um, Ocasio-Cortez. So she's, she tweets something out, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, from one minute to the next, it goes up to like, you know, 20,000 people see it. And it's, it's just, I mean, now she probably has a large enough following, but it was just, you know, begging the imagination for, uh, you know, that it would even be like that. So they're just, they're artificially, you, you cannot, everything is fake right now. And what you have to look at is, you know, there are ways to deny people things and give things to other people. And the example I like to use is credit. So if you look at today's banking system, today's banks are basically, they control the issuance of money. So we don't have, you know, gold and silver money like we used to. We have credit, which is ginned up and created artificially as a debt. All your listeners probably already know about this, but what's different is if you think this thing through and you are now able to say, if you're a conservative and you own a gun shop, we are not going to give you a loan. But if you happen to have this social justice warrior, you know, whatever, um, you know, bicycle shop or whatever, you're going to get as much credit as you want. And we're not going to care about whether you pay it back or not. Now, all of a sudden, the person who has the social credit has access to capital and the person who doesn't does not have access to capital. That's what's behind That's the, what I'm the, the gangrene New Deal. Because Ocasio-Cortez says in there that if you can't make money, we'll just give money to you. We'll give you a house. It's that same mentality. Well, it's easy for her to do it, right, because she didn't actually have to make it. She's just taking it from somebody else. This is what socialists and communists always do, which is they destroy the opposition economically. And, you know, I'm sure your listeners all feel the same way. I'm sure they all, they personally understand exactly what's going on here. And uh, many of them, I'm sure, have stories that they can share with your listeners, with other listeners, about, you know, the things that they've seen and heard and what actually happened to them. It's pretty bad, really. And it's mostly, it's illegal, too, to do this. Wow. It is illegal. and It violates open forum laws, antitrust legislation. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, Chris. I'm at Branson, Missouri at Steve Quayle's event last summer, last fall, and I'm sitting there with Doug Hagman and Joe Hagman, and I'm bemoaning the fact that I cannot uh, get Trump to move, and I put out these persuasive things to people he knows. So I call someone who meets with Trump on a regular basis, and Doug and Joe have told this story on their show. I mean, it's absolutely valid. And I'm talking to this person for a half hour. And I said, look, it's time the president moves. We've got the midterms coming up here in less than two months, and he's going to lose the House if he doesn't get the independent media engaged. And right now we're being shadow bound to death. And the guy got out paper and took down notes and started quoting things for me, like what are open forum laws and the antitrust legislation specifics. And he says, I will definitely have a talk with the president. He did. We talked again the following Monday night when I was back home two days later, and he said the president was very receptive. We spent 15 minutes on it. I gave him a copy of my notes. He said he was going to act on it. He had already planned on acting on it. On Wednesday, he came out, and he made the pronouncement that we are going after social media 
for, for censorship. We're not going to allow it. They're going to respect the First Amendment. And that's the last we heard of it. What the hell happened? <laughs> well, you know, the swamp is deep. That's all you can say. And what you're witnessing is firsthand who owns everything. You look at who controls things, and that's, you know, you can, it, who was it, Voltaire, who said, you can tell who's in charge by the person who you cannot criticize, right? That's really what this is. And if you think about it, what's happening is that the free speech and what people are critical of is they're, you know, they're getting upset that people are not enforcing the laws. We have a lot of laws, a lot of good laws. And a lot of people are breaking the law. Look at all of the illegal people here in this country. Now, some of them are good. I agree with that. But they should come here legally. That's how, that's how the system is set up. And, you know, you've probably got 40 million people here illegally, maybe more. I don't know. But I think the, the answer is, um, you know, when, when people look at the different laws, there are laws for communication systems. It's under Section 47 of the CFR, right. the, the U.S. government codes. Section 47 covers communication systems. So what's happened is we have, you know, basically Twitter has become like a telephone, except that I can now send messages to, you know, thousands of people instead of just one person. But, you know, communication systems are not allowed to be censored under Section 47 of the CFR. So if you look at this, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a lawyer, and I said, you know, why don't they enforce this? He said, well, you probably need, and he checked it up, and he said, you need to send a letter to the FCC. The president cannot do it. So I think what's actually happening now is we are about to move into the next phase, which is where we the people have to start doing things. We can't count on, you know, President Trump. We all love President Trump, but there's only so much one person can do. And he is up against this huge, deep swamp, you know, and it's really um, it's just annoying. You see what's happening with Congress. It's like, wait a second. Didn't all these people vote for these Congress critters? Why didn't they in the first two years just go out and just start building the wall? And the answer is you have Paul Ryan. And he's the person who's in charge of the budget. And he's a swamp creature. So he's gone now, fortunately. But now we still have to deal with all the other people. So, you know, I think what's happening is that people are just getting a general level of frustration. And, um, you know, I see it in comment boards, message, message boards, and so forth. But the reality is, you know, what are you going to do about it? And the answer is I can keep voting, but nothing happens. If I'm in California, my vote basically is meaningless because of all of the theft of votes and all the illegals who are signed up to register to vote. They were given driver's licenses. Basically, it's, you know, there's motor voter, no questions asked. And, you know, and these are people who are now voting themselves money from the Treasury, right, as one of our founding fathers so, you know, correctly pointed out. That's what's going on. So I don't know. I think you're at the point now where we have to either lock the gate or, um, you know, get more active. Well, let's talk about getting more active. What kinds of things could you see that the populace could do on their own? Well, you know, if you see a crime and there's no police around, most states have laws which allow citizens to perform citizen arrests. Okay? 
So if you can, if, you know, and this is, you know, it can be somewhat dangerous. I'm not telling people to go do this, but if you're in the right circumstance, you know, if the person's not armed and dangerous, right, you should leave that to the professional law enforcement people, unless they're harming other people, in which case you're going to have to step in and do something. And that's what people with CCW do. But what happens is this is something these were provided for, for citizens to basically help the police to enforce the laws. So what you do is you have to go through a process where you tell the person they're under arrest and that you're taking them to the local law enforcement. Now, the problem is if you're in a place like San Francisco and it's a, and it's a uh, sanctuary city, you're going to take them to the police and they're probably going to arrest you. So you're going to have to do this in a place where you have the support of law enforcement and the sheriff. The sheriff is, is actually one of the most powerful positions in, in, the, in the government, I would say, because they are basically the law. So if you have a good sheriff, you know, someone who supports your constitutional rights, then you're in good condition. If you have someone who, is, who does not support the rights of citizens and the constitutional rights, who believes that these are privileges that the state can just take away at any time, which, of course, that's not what the document says. And unfortunately, they wrote it in such a way that people can read it and understand it for themselves. You don't have to be a lawyer to understand shall not be infringed. That's pretty straightforward. That is what I think that's one thing that people can do. So, you know, that's, I think that's one of the next things that you're going to start to see is that people are just, I'm not saying they're taking the law into their hands. They're, what they're doing is they're going to start enforcing the laws that no one else seems to want to enforce. I think that people want to enforce. I just think they want the next guy to do it. Well, you know, we, we pay a lot of money for professional law enforcement and it's, you know, people are just literally being turned loose who are committing crimes. I mean, everyone's seen the stories. I mean, it's terrible what's happening. You know, you've got law, law-abiding, tax-paying citizens who are being arrested. You know, it's like the guy, the poor guy in Portland who drove down the, the wrong street with his truck, his pickup truck with American flags on it, and he ran into Antifa, and they literally threw rocks at his truck, beat on it, and then he backed up for two blocks, and now they're, now he is the one – he's trying to escape and not hurt anybody, and he's the one who's now being charged. Are you surprised? No. Portland, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I live there. It's just – it's turned into a hellhole. I just – Chris, I think I've lived too long. I, I look at what's well, going I, on in I, places like Portland and San Francisco, and I can't believe what, what I'm understanding, how people are living and the how the authorities are acting. And it, it just it's like the world's gone crazy. It's it's really, um, you know, this is, you know, a lot of people who um, who are who believe in religion, you know, there this is what happens. You know, it reaches an extreme and. You know, and it's a lot of a lot of different, you know, um, faiths have the same type of understanding is that when you reach an extreme, it turns around. But, you know, we still haven't turned around. So it's still heading the other way. It feels like evil has the upper hand. Um, but I don't know. You know, 
again, what is it that pre- people can do? And I think the best thing to do is to get out of the way. But if you see someone like murdered or an arson or something like that, you absolutely have to do something about it. You have to help other people. I agree with getting out of the way, too. But I don't think that we're going to reach the end and we're going to see a backtrack. I think we're going to reach the end and we're going to see massive depopulation. Well, that's the plan. That's the Georgia Guidestones say that. And, um, you know, that's the arrangement that they've, you know, the powers that be have wanted to do. Um, But they're still going to have to take away people's guns. Now, I don't know if you saw this today in Idaho, the Senate in Idaho. Now, Idaho is one of the red states around. And they voted for a red flag law. The Senate did. They passed it. And it was a lot of Republicans who passed it, too which was quite surprising. Now, your listeners who don't know what a red flag law is, it basically means that someone can have their Second Amendment constitutional rights taken away based on someone putting in a complaint with the police saying, this person is threatening me, go take away his guns without any due process or any other you know, uh, system going in front of a judge or any of that. They can just come and just take your guns away. So that is that is actually that's the next step. They have to take the guns away because there's, you know, Obama was probably the greatest gun salesman in history. There are literally hundreds of millions of guns. People have, you know, I used to go to gun shows and I'd see people literally walking out with hand trucks full of ammo. And, you know, they didn't go and shoot at all. It's been sitting in their, you know, in their uh, garage or basement. And, um, you know, they're probably hoping they never have to use it. Well, I do, too. But um, I do know they're coming after our guns. There's no question. And this is the one law we should never obey. People need to find a hiding hiding place for their gun. And um, they need to. Well, you know what what they say? But you know what they say, Dave, which is if you have to hide your guns, that's the time that you need them. (laughs) Right? That's the that's the time. And, you know, they're going to be trying to get some kind of national registration. I would not be a bit surprised to see a couple of false flags pulled to try to get national registration. And, uh, you know, that's always the the first step before confiscation. Well, you know, it follows confiscation. Genocide. Exactly. Happens every time. People want a good reference for that. Go to the University of Hawaii Democide page and you just need to Google that. And what you'll find is um, every genocide in the 20th century was preceded by gun confiscation. They have all the data right there. More people killed by government than by all the wars combined. Yes, it's it's really, it's tragic. And you look at what happened in in Russia. You look at what happened in China. Mao killed Prabi and the Chinese Communist Party at least 80 million people in China. 80 million people. Probably a lot more. And if you count the current, you know, the organ harvesting that they're doing with Falun Gong and people like that, it's millions. And, you know, it's a Holocaust, really. That's what it is. Um, it's amazing. How much are the aliens behind this? We have alien technology. Well, we know they're here in some form. What's their end game and how involved are they in our day to day lives? Well, I don't think they're directly involved necessarily in day-to-day lives, but I think that um, if you look at actually who is controlling things, 
right? It's just like a typical pyramid. You have a group of people, you have central banks, and everyone says, oh, it's this group of people and, and the, the Rothschilds control this and that and whatever. But the fact is that because you know who these people are, they are probably not the ones who are in control. The ones who are in control are the ones that you have never heard about. The Paysur family in the U.S., for example, is a family that's very, very wealthy. I mean, probably more than the Rothschilds. And, you know, there's a, um, there's a Twitter feed you can go look at, Leovani S. Paysur, and it's on Twitter. And, you know, I read some of his tweets. I, I followed him the other day, and, you know, some of them sound very reasonable. I mean, he's talking about, you know, how you have to look inside and this and that, whatever. And some of them I just don't agree with, of course, where he's, he's, you know, he's congratulating President Trump, which is good, but he's congratulating all the other people, too. And, you know, I don't think they're doing as good a job as President Trump. But, um, you know, when you look at this and, you know, and he sent one tweet out that said that, you know, gun ownership is a privilege, which it's not. It's a right. Now, if people want to change that, there is a process to change it. Now, the question is, who's behind these people? And that's where I think you start getting into these otherworldly powers. And, um, you know, if you think about what it is that allows people to control things, right? One is technology. Well, if someone can give, if some being can give technology to someone and, you know, basically put back doors in it, which is basically what's happened, right? So all the communications, all the internet and everything else, everyone thinks that, you know, they know about the NSA and having back doors and the security agencies, the CIA, the Chinese, the Russians, the Israelis, all these people put in back doors and hardware, the operating system, the software. But who else can look at that? Well, the aliens can look at it. So they can see everything. They can see things in other dimensions. Humans don't all have that ability. Um, some humans do, but most don't. Most have, like, you know, thrown that, that ability away. Um, and they don't care. They're busy with television, with, uh, you know, dancing with the stars and, um, you know, and uh, hot pizza from Domino's and the football game. So, you know, it's it's that's what happens. People just get... They get busy, and they get distracted, and they just don't pay attention. And when you think about it, what do, you know, if, if you were an alien and you had all this technology and this power, why would you care? Why would you care about a little planet that has basically, you know, it's an iron core, it's, you know, it's got all these people here. Why would you care about this place? Well, there's something special about Earth. This is just my understanding. And what's special is this is a place, it's an environment with a space-time that's just right for people to improve themselves. Everyone comes here to improve themselves. They come here to cultivate. That's what we call it. And basically what that means is that all these people are going through hardships. They're bearing hardship. They're learning lessons. And they are hopefully improving themselves and, you know, living a good life. That's what this life is about. Now, if you're an alien, you can't do that because you don't have the kind of human, the Chinese call it Qing, which is like a uh, human emotion. So the aliens are emotion free, like kind of like Mr. Spock on Star Trek. Um, he didn't have a lot of emotion. 
and uh, and how can you cultivate? How can you eliminate those things if you don't have them? So the answer is you can't. And so there have been hybridization programs that I've heard about, and these are things I believe are true, where um, you know alien human hybrids. Uh, there's a there's a very interesting Twitter feed called uh, Cabamore K A B A M U R Tegeta. And if you go look through that, this person claims to be a Palladian, which I don't know if it's true or not. I think he, it might be, but he talks about cloning. And he says that cloning is very widespread. He claims that there are cloning labs all over the world that can clone humans and that can clone these humans in literally about two weeks. So if you are going to be um, taken off the field, they can replace you with a clone that looks just like you. Now it's not you and it's not, there's no soul inside. And you can imagine there's no, you know, there's no human soul inside, but it's pretty convincing and most people would probably be fooled. So what I think happens is, um, you know, what he talked about was one third of people were clones. And he said there were 200 million aliens who were walk-ins and um you know walk-in is a term i hadn't heard until i was on a southwest flight to seattle about uh i don't know five or six years ago to a board meeting at a company i was on the board of and this woman i sat next to was telling me about her daughter who had a who had an alien three thousand years old who had been who had become a walk-in So when she's talking to her daughter, she wasn't sure if she was talking to her daughter or this 30,000-year-old alien. And that is actually, I think, something that's fairly common. Um, The the Chinese, for example, they believe in this. It's called futi. It's like like an alien spirit or some kind of a um, demonic spirit that can inhabit people. And you look at all these people, the ones that people are referring to as NPCs, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like, there's no one home inside. That's basically what it is. Now, some of it's done by drugs and medication. There are probably in the U.S., I don't know, 60, 70 million people on antidepressants. And basically what that does is it turns off the person's main spirit. And, you know, that's the point when these things can happen. So, you know, people say, well, that's a big number. How can it be possible? But you look at these kind of phenomena worldwide, how many people worldwide do not use any medication at all. Very few. Almost everybody's got some, and once you get one, they've got you on three or four. So it's, I think it's much more widespread than people think, and this is a phenomenon that's worth taking a look at and watching and paying attention to. Do you think, Chris, that when we're, you're driving down the street and you go into a restaurant, the table next to you, aliens, you think they're there like that? I think they are. Um, you know, I haven't really had that feeling of like, oh, here, these people are, you know, aliens or whatever. But I will tell you this. I was driving down the street in San Francisco, and I saw the strangest looking person. Not like somebody who had some kind of physical deformity or something like that, but just completely strange looking person. And I thought my first thought was, wow, that person looks like an alien. And, you know, I just had to do a double take. And, um you know, and then they just kind of turned off the street and went somewhere else. But that I've had that feeling only a couple times. But I think it's I think it's a lot more prevalent, especially in a place like Silicon Valley, 
because, you know, think about it. If you know a lot about technology, you could have a very easy job to be like coasting along, you know, like, um, you know, doing something where you are the master of this and because your technology is thousands of years ahead, you could do this kind of stuff in your sleep. And that's where, you know, you think about all the technology in Silicon Valley, where does it come from? If it's here in this dimension, it comes from somewhere else. Someone gave it to people. That's interesting. That is really an interesting concept. I'll tell you my ghost story. It was about, gosh, six, seven years ago. And I was at uh, happy hour with some friends. And um, we're talking. I get up, I go to the restroom, I come out. And I actually definitely bumped into the hostess. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. And she said, oh, that's quite all right. And, and the demeanor was just bizarre. And I, and I said, no, really, I'm sorry. I said, you okay? Yeah, yeah. And I said, I didn't see you there. And she turned around and looked at me, stared me down in my eyes and said, I've been here for a very long time. And someone like you should know this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, listen, her answer and demeanor was totally out of context for what had just happened. And I sat down and I thought about it and I looked over at her and she gave me the look like, you know. And so I call my friend Annie, who was my news director for six years. And Annie hosts all these UFO conferences. She's an MC at a lot of them. And I told her, I said, Annie, I'm not saying this is what it was, but I, maybe it's time I start listening to you because she tried to get me to open up on my show and do shows like what we're doing right now. And I wouldn't for a long time because I was closed minded still and I was kind of limited in my growth and Annie said Dave I've been telling you and she said and they could look at you until you have a level of awareness that you can understand what they're saying and that sent chills down my spine well yeah and you know, I'll tell you something else I think there's a it's a there's a soft disclosure that's starting to happen yes that's and if you think yeah. about it there's you know there are things there was a uh, a few years ago there was a very powerful um, crop circle. I think it was in the UK. And it was a portrait of this alien holding a disc that looked like a CD-ROM or CD disc with, you could see the data and you could actually read it and someone decoded it and it said, beware of the gifts from these people, from these beings. They don't all want the best for you. Yes. Something like that. I've heard that. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, when you see that, it's like it's pretty spectacular. And there's no way that a group of people could go out and stomp down the wheat in a field with this kind of precision. It's just not possible. Yeah, I hear you. The, the uh, Bob and Dave or whoever the hell they were going over England. Yeah, they didn't do all those. I totally agree with you. Uh, Chris, we just got about a minute left. And I wanted to give you a moment to tell the audience now that you've kind of left before it's news. I mean, you're still kind of around, but you're not formally involved in day-to-day -day operations. What are you doing with yourself these days? Well, I'm doing a lot of crypto coin work because I'm very interested in um, how money systems can work for small communities. And so we have a coin called Flashcoin. You can go to the website, flashcoin.io. Um, if your listeners send me an email, chris at flashcoin.io, and get a wallet, I'll send them some Flashcoins so they can just start playing with it. If they've never used the cryptocurrency, 
uh, they can see how easy it is to do. And it's, it's quite frankly, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I think it can help a lot of people. That's why I've, uh, why I've chosen to uh, spend a lot of time working in that field. But, um, you know, as you know, I was involved with Unseen. I still am with that. And, you know, cryptography was kind of a natural thing for the products that we did, the security and the privacy. And crypto coins offer all of this as well. So I think it's, you know, it's an alternative to the banking system. Uh, and it's something that, you know, when someone, when you have a denial of service attack on your, on your credit, which is what some banks are doing to some people, this is an alternative. And I see it for alt media. I see it for, you know, people with businesses who have, let's say you're an FFL or a gun shop or something, you know, this is, or a gold dealer. This is a great way to be able to, uh, receive payment privately and securely. And, you know, it's not like you're going to hide your taxes. You're going to pay yeah. taxes on everything. Most people on your show are honest people and I pay all my taxes too. But I think, um, you know, that to me is what I, that's what I've been spending a lot of my time on is to, uh, better understand how this system works. And, you know, what I've, the conclusion I've come to, and it's a, it's a whole nother show is about monopoly capitalism. You know, we're going really to have is, to do a show on that because we're right up against the end. But uh, Chris, I'm going to have you back sooner than later. This is something I want to explore more with you too. This is a whole show unto itself. Fascinating stuff. Chris, give out that email address one more time, please. Yes, it's Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at flashcoin.io. So it's flash like, uh, like you know, a flash of lightning, right. uh, coin.io. Okay, and on that note, my friend, we've got a scoot. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're going to have you on sooner rather than later. Good night, Chris. Good night, Dave. Good night, everybody. Our sincere thanks to Steve Quayle and to Chris Gitsby for joining us on very related topics, very interesting, very complimentary. Man, what a riveting two hours that was. And we're going to have both on again, and I'll be going to Steve's conference. And you guys, if you have not signed up for this, you really got to. I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to meeting all of you. I know that Doug and Joe Hagman are going to be there as well. Going to be a great time. I want to take a moment here and just talk to you very quickly about our operation. We've launched on Megaphone, and we're really going to move the majority of our operation there uh, with our radio show because we're going to turn it into a podcast format. We're also going to go news show on YouTube this summer. Going to be live on camera in studio. So I want to let you know that's coming. We're launching our new website on March 15th, and we'll have lots of information about our future endeavors right there. Stay tuned for hour number three and my good friend, Bob Griswold.